This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 406 with Caitlin Gresham. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 406. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Caitlin Gresham is a shameless mom and the founder and executive director of Under the Same Tree, a nonprofit organization that is preventing the effects of poverty through economic empowerment, equipping families affected by extreme poverty around the world in order to build their own income sources. They offer the opportunity for their supporters to match with a family served by their programs to build meaningful relationships and the tangible opportunity to see the impact that is being made. Caitlin was born in Southern California and now lives in St. Louis, Missouri with her husband, David, and their daughter, Valeria, who joined their family through adoption from Nicaragua in 2017. She has a master's degree in international relations with a graduate certificate in nonprofit leadership, and she loves fish tacos, hiking, and sunshine. So I was introduced to Caitlin through her nonprofit work, through her company and or her nonprofit organization, and immediately knew I wanted to have her as a guest on the show. I also immediately knew I wanted to be involved in her nonprofit. So I am currently, and you'll hear me talk about this in the interview, I'm currently sponsoring a woman over in Africa, in Kenya, through her program. I'm so excited. So I'm sponsoring a woman named Nema, and she has two daughters named Stella and Sarah. 
I got to recently meet her through video, which was really, really awesome. She sent me a video and her daughter, Sarah, translated for her, which was so sweet and really, really cool. So I'm just really excited to have Caitlin here. I'm excited for you to learn about her message and her mission. I think you're going to be really touched. So listen in to hear Caitlin share how she knew from a very young age that she wanted to grow her family through adoption, how she and her husband decided to adopt from the hardest to match adoptee list, the limiting factors of opportunities for women and their babies in developing nations, how her nonprofit provides opportunities for women in developing countries to start their own businesses and make their own money to create financial stability for their families, as well as provide economic growth in their local communities, and the beauty and power of women investing in others when they have any extra resources. And lastly, how she connects women and entrepreneurs in the US to women in Kenya, Uganda, and Haiti. I'm so excited and very inspired and fired up to be introducing you to Caitlin Gresham. Caitlin Gresham, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm very excited and really, really honored to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be a really, really fascinating conversation. And I already have like a million questions swirling in my head. So let's just dive right in. And I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Okay. So the dynamics of my professional and personal life are, they're definitely blended together. It's really impossible for me to keep them apart and I'm okay with that. So up until my daughter started school in August, she had her own chair at our staff meetings and it was not unusual for me to come into meetings with prospective donors with her and that was okay with everybody. Um, I also, I, yeah, I travel a lot internationally and uh, my husband does a great job of being supportive of the work I do and he's totally capable of holding down the fort while I'm gone. So it's all good. Very nice. How old is your daughter? She's four. Okay. Okay. So I love that you fully own and admit and embrace that personal and professional are connected and integrated because I think that sometimes we feel a sense of obligation to try to keep them separate because we think that will give us better quote unquote balance. And yeah, I don't think that balance is real. And I also think that when you're doing work that really lights you up and it's so purposeful, it should be part of your personal life as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So tell us a little bit about your journey into motherhood and how you ended up with this sweet little family. So we both have sweet little families. So I have one seven-year-old, you have one four-year-old. Tell us how you entered into motherhood. Yeah. So I knew from a really young age that I would want to grow my family through adoption as an adult. I was a really compassionate child and the thought of children being orphaned or growing up in children's homes uh, was really heartbreaking to me as a kid. So When I was in my teens, my family actually ended up adopting my sister from China and my brother and sister from Ethiopia. So I became really familiar with the process of international adoption. Once I got married, my husband and I knew that that would be something we would pursue in the future. And so we found our daughter in 2016 on what's called a waiting child list. And that's basically a list of kids all around the world that adoption agencies struggle to find families for due to their age or them having a disability. And so we were monitoring that list because as I had been doing work in communities affected by extreme poverty in various parts of the world, I had become increasingly aware that there's a huge percentage of children growing up in orphanages or outside of their families of origin 
worldwide, and they're there due to the effects of poverty. And they had actually had living parents or family members who would care for them if they had the resources to do so. But as a result of extreme poverty, they were growing up in orphanages. So as we began our adoption journey, we paid close attention to children who were actually the least likely to be matched with an adoptive family or reunited with birth family. And those were mainly kids that had significant disabilities. So we saw on this list online, a tiny little blurry photo of this little girl in Latin America who it said she had spina bifida and she has hydrocephalus. And I didn't even know what those things were. And I didn't even know how to pronounce them correctly at the time. (laughs) But I called the agency she was listed with and they told me that they were actually struggling to match this little girl with a family because of her disability and the challenging process of adoption in her country. So yeah, when I heard that, I didn't know how to say the names of the conditions she was born with. And I still actually didn't know what country she was in because the listing just said Latin America. It didn't say Nicaragua, where she was from. But I knew right away in that conversation that we would pursue this little girl. Oh my gosh. And yeah. then what did you learn about the impacts of these health conditions? I guess, how old was she at the time? And kind of what did you learn about her health after that? So at the time, she was almost one. And the agency had very little information on her medical history. They just knew her diagnosis. So we actually had to commit to pursuing her with a lot of unknowns. So we learned all that we could about spina bifida and hydrocephalus. And so uh, spina bifida is basically... It's a birth defect where the spinal column doesn't close all the way and there are nerves that are exposed while the baby's in utero and they can be damaged during childbirth. And so a lot of kids that have spina bifida have various varying degrees of paralysis. So we knew that spina bifida meant that she might never walk on her own. She might have ambulatory challenges. Uh, She might even be paralyzed from the waist down and use a wheelchair. We knew that the hydrocephalus part of it meant that she might have some neurological differences. There might be surgeries, hospitalizations, therapies, and those were all just unknowns. We wouldn't know the degree to which all of this affected her until we were actually with her in country. So we had a moment where we had to decide that none of those things really mattered because this little girl was going to face those things either way. And she could either do it with parents by her side or without them. And so we decided that, you know, we were going to be those parents for her. So this sounds like such a big, big decision. And you're making it sound like it was just like, we just knew we had to do it. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I'm, I'm curious if there was like, a lot of fear around like one of the first things I thought of is just around health insurance and medical expenses and things like that, where you think of like, do we have the means and what will this actually look like? Or if it's someone, you know, if we end up with a child that needs like full time round the clock physical care, did you think about those kinds of things? Or were you really guided just by this mission, knowing that, like you said, she's going to grow up with or without parents and you wanted to be sitting next to her? Yeah, totally. Of course. There were a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of, you know, soul searching and conversations. And, you know, you always have the what if thoughts bouncing through every single what if situation. And so and there were definitely points in the process where 
we questioned what we were doing, like, what are we getting ourselves into? That was a question that came through my mind a lot. But if I had listened ultimately to any of those doubts or fears, like, I can't even imagine my life would be so drastically different and I wouldn't have, you know, the amazing daughter who is full of light and life that I have now. Yeah, yeah. So you decided to jump into this commitment and this very exciting relationship, exciting on many levels. <laughs> and what was kind of the course from there? So you made this commitment. And then did you go down and get to spend time with her and meet her? So our adoption process was also crazy. And they say that every adoption process was crazy. But I think that ours is a little bit unique. We told the agency that we would match with her and almost immediately in the following week, the country that she was born in started experiencing some political issues. And there was nine months where we didn't know if our match with her would go through. We didn't wow. know if we could proceed with her. And she was not and with then, you during that nine months. So she's no. in an orphanage on her own. And you're like desperate to be by her side. Yeah. And we had no way of getting updates or knowing Oh my what was going on, what her health was like. And so that was extremely challenging. And then it was actually almost exactly three years to the date today. I think this weekend, well, we were given a call and we were given 48 hours to get to Nicaragua. It was their week before Christmas. And After yeah, waiting for nine months. And then they're like, we uh -huh. need you here tomorrow. Uh huh. Yes, it was exactly like that. So it was extremely crazy. Not everybody in our lives knew that this was actually happening because we weren't sure whether it would go through or not. And so we jumped on a plane and within 24 hours, we had our baby in our arms and it was Christmas time and it was crazy, but it was good. And then after that, so I was in Nicaragua with her. The way that country works is that you get to the country, your child is placed with you and then you finish out the rest of your adoption process there with them in that country. But due to a lot of various delays and challenges in the process, I was basically stuck in the country of Nicaragua with her for the next five months, basically oh just waiting it out. So I had a friend and I'm trying to remember, I think it was Guatemala. They did an international adoption. I think it was Guatemala, but she was there for 10 months. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like her husband had gone down originally, like the two of them had gone down together. And then at a certain point, the husband was like, I think I have to go back to work. Like, like right, someone exactly. was like, the family has to like, somehow continue to move on in some semblance if there's going to be a life to return to. And I actually have another friend who went through this in Uganda and she was over wow. there and she was over there with her children. Her whole family went over for this adoption and they were, again, like her husband had to leave and to be a, well, you probably know this, but to be a female, she's this d bright blonde female in Uganda with a bunch of kids with her. She was said it was like terrifying. It was not a safe situation. And she was there, I think for a month or two. So yeah, wow. I know that it's so fascinating to me and so impactful to see or hear the stories of what you actually endure because I think you have a sense what you think you're signing up for and then how it actually plays out 
And I'm wondering if when you look back, you're like, how did we even do that? But when you're in it, you're like, this is just the next right thing. So we're just going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer endocrine system disruption and liver toxicity which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special unique and important in terms of how they are able to filter water they also have water purifiers to fit every type of home so like the installation free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options they even have wi-fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options so I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. And I definitely look back on it with a lot of gratitude because in the moment, it was really scary because I didn't know how things were going to turn out. I didn't know how long my delays were going to be. And I didn't know at what point we were going to be able to return to the U.S. So I actually did some research on jobs that I could get there in Nicaragua because I was like, well, I might as well just plan on moving here forever. Um, <laughs> and so was, looking- the, was the adoption final at that point, but you just couldn't get back? Or was it like up in the air and you didn't even know if it would be finalized? So it was up in the air. We didn't have our court date until about three months in. 
And then after that, we were waiting on things with the U.S. Embassy. So kind of both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I got to to know her country, her birth country so well. I traveled around with her in a little baby carrier and got to see just a lot of different places. And I made friends there. And so I will always look back on that as a really special time where I was forced to slow down and spend time with her one-on-one, you know, cause I'm just, I'm a very go, go, go kind of person. And I might not have done that otherwise. Yeah. So I'm really grateful actually for the way things turned out. Yeah, that that time could actually, you now you can look at it as a gift instead of what might have felt like a curse at some right. moments in that process. Right. What did you find out about her health once you got down there? So when she was placed with me, she was 18 months old and she was not mobile at all. She could barely crawl. We were delighted to see her moving her little legs mm. because you know, we went in fully anticipating, you know, she might have waist down paralysis, but just the ability to move her legs indicated that there would be a lot of progress she would be able to make in terms of her mobility. And so she obviously wasn't walking yet, but her personality in the first week that we were together just started coming out and she was super funny and curious, you know, like an 18-month-old right. baby would be. But still, being with her, there wasn't a lot of answers that I could get to right away without bringing her to the specialist that she has now. So it wasn't until we got back to the U.S. that we were able to really get a lot of our questions answered. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, three years in, she started walking independently. Um, let's see, she was about two and a half when she started doing that after a lot of physical therapy. How exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, either way, if, you know, if she used a wheelchair or if she used mobility devices permanently, that would be totally okay with Mm -hmm. us. We would feel completely the same any way it went. But it really was an exciting time being able to see her make those milestones and be proud of herself. Um, and the progress that she was making, and even still to this day, she struggles with some some different things like stairs and running, jumping, climbing, things that she sees other kids doing that are a challenge for her, but she's so proud of herself and the progress that she's making. So she's doing really great. That's so awesome. That's so great. So your journey in motherhood is slightly non-traditional, and, yeah. which I love. I mean, I love this is like such a huge reason, reason that I started the Shameless Mom Academy is because I love hearing these different stories and hearing how families come to be and how mothers become mothers. So I so appreciate you sharing all that. I want to know how your journey in motherhood has inspired your work and your mission, because this is how we got introduced to each other was through your work and mission. Yeah. And it's so amazing. So share a little bit about that. Right. So they do kind of go hand in hand. So part of my educational background is in sociology. And that field of study taught me to always be looking for the root of various social issues and always be asking why things are the way that they are. And so I knew that this narrative of adoption and caring for vulnerable children would always be a part of my family. But I also naturally found myself asking questions about why families around the world were encountering situations that led to children being orphaned or given up. And so questions like, could the illnesses causing parent death be prevented? Could 
desperate situations that led to children being abandoned be prevented? And almost always the answer to these questions was yes. And so in a way, it actually was my journey into motherhood that got me asking these kinds of important questions. And then that in turn led to the founding of my nonprofit called Under the Same Tree. And tell us what you do. What does Under the Same Tree do? So we prevent the effects of poverty through economic empowerment. And that's basically just a fancy way of saying uh, we come alongside mainly single moms living in extreme poverty in places like Kenya, Uganda, Haiti, and equip them with the resources that they need to build a source of income and take care of the needs of their families. And I'm curious, can you give us a little bit of a picture of an so I recently read the book Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. Are you familiar with the book? Yeah, I haven't read it, okay. but I am familiar with it. So in reading that, I felt like I got, she talks a lot about experiences in in different countries, many African countries, and especially around the role of women, women's opportunities or lack thereof, women's responsibilities, all sorts of different things. And so I got a little bit of a sense, definitely more than I've had in the past around women's role in taking care of their families and in taking care of their children and sometimes many, many children and just the huge responsibilities that come with oftentimes not a lot of resources at all. And so I'm curious if you could give us a little bit of perspective around like what you found in visiting different countries, what you've seen that maybe we don't even know about in terms of what are moms on a global level in developing nations? What are they facing that we can't even like imagine in our pretty steady, stable lives? Sure. Yeah. So I've spent time in various communities in different parts of the world that are impacted by extreme poverty. And almost all the time I'm spending time with women and moms, just talking with them and asking questions and learning from them. And that's really how our organization started. But I have learned from them that you hear all of these different issues and, you know, everybody's familiar with them. So homelessness, displacement, you hear about human trafficking and preventable illness, hunger, orphan children, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we treat issues that are separate from one another. And so an organization might come in and, and work on tackling one of these issues, which is really good and needed. But the reality that I've learned from these women is that Oftentimes, one of these issues will lead to another and lead to another and lead to another. And so we call that the web of poverty. And it can be really impossible for families to escape it because it's just one tragedy after another after another. But if you really take a close look at it, the driver of all these things, and we call it the root cause, is poverty. Uh, lack of income, lack of opportunity. These places, formal employment is virtually non-existent. Like to go out and get a job like we might be able to in the U.S. is an opportunity that doesn't exist. So if you want to earn an income, you have to create your income source. And when you're a single mom taking care of several children, to do that on your own, is basically impossible. And yet these women are working to try to do that because they want to take care of their children. They'll do anything to take care of their children. And one of the things that Melinda Gates' book talks a lot about is lack of access to family planning. And so 
women are having children really, really close together and having many children. And that also really inhibits opportunity for them. And so like to your point about things being impossible, like yes, if you have like seven children in eight or nine years, it is very impossible to do many things. And that's, I think, something that I hadn't considered the how privileged family planning is. Yeah. And there's just a lot of situations where women don't have a lot of control over what happens in their lives. And so they might be married at a very young age, yeah. uh, not because that's what they would choose, but because that is the path that they were put on. And so they're having to navigate these very intense situations that they did not choose to be in, but are in because that's just the situation that they ended up in life. But now they have a responsibility to, to uh, find a way to navigate that and to, I mean, they want to build a better life for their families. Right. So talk a little bit about how does Under the Same Tree support women in different ways and how also is your organization different than others? Sure. So early on in the life under the same tree, I was in Nairobi, Kenya, just there seeking to learn from people in this community. And I got to know a group of single moms um, who were living in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. And I just spent a lot of time sitting with them in tiny houses, drinking, you know, cups of hot tea. And I learned how fearful that they were because they saw other women around them having to give up their children or falling into situations that were very exploitative or doing high-risk survival-type activity because it was too difficult to earn an income to provide for their needs of their families. And so I asked them questions about what they would want for their families and their communities if they had access to the types of resources that they would need. And over and over again, they just said they wanted the opportunity to earn money. They wanted to work and be the ones to take care of their kids. They all had vision for the type of business that they would build if they had the resources to do it. And so we sat down and we planned out this program together. They really informed a lot of the structure of this program. And so we do community-based microfinance. And so what that means is we provide small business training for these women. And a lot of times they, if they have had the opportunity to go to school at all, it's just on an elementary level. So they're able to learn concepts um, that go into building a business and what a good business plan and idea would be, um, and, but done on a level uh, where they're, they're able to apply it directly to their own context um, they are equipped to create a business plan that incorporates their strengths and their skills and experience in life because everybody has that. Um, so they sit down and they plan a business that meets a demand in their local community. So it's promoting economic growth at the, lo- the local level. And then we're able to lend them the startup capital that they need to either grow or expand their business. So we lend them a small amount of money. It's usually under $500. And they invest it in their business and they pay it back in small amounts over the course of a year um, or quicker if they want to. And then they're able to access that capital again and again as they grow their businesses in small, easy to manage steps. 
Um, and while they're in our program, we give them access to a couple of resources, one being savings groups where they hold each other accountable to save money that they're able to use if an emergency were to come up or they can cash it out once they meet their goal. And so instead of having to use all of the money that's in their business when a tragedy happens, so say they have to go to a family funeral or somebody ends up in the hospital, a lot of times businesses fall apart when stuff like that happens. So they're able to build that kind of a safety net that they would need. And then also when these women are in our programs, we provide them with a small child sponsorship stipend because we want to set the next generation up for success. And a lot of times families were having to choose between investing money in their their business or paying their kids school tuition because it's not free to go to school. And so as an incentive to be in the program and to repay the money that they are being loaned for their businesses, we provide a small tuition stipend to keep the kids in school. So I'm thinking of the sense of pride that comes. So it's funny because when you were talking, I was thinking about these women who are now able to provide stability and security for their families and like how freeing that must feel and how powerful that must feel. But then you also made the point around that they're also providing growth for the local community and the impact of that. And I'm wondering what you like, how you see that impact them in terms of their sense of identity and sense of self. Yeah, it actually has been very amazing to see some of the women come through our program. And it was always my sense that as their business grew, their first step in their new kind of financial freedom would be like a better place to live, which a lot of times it actually is, but also, you know, like replacing some of their things that they own or, you know, investment back into themselves. But it's actually, I see them all the time investing back into their community. So I see women that are starting mentoring programs with other women in their apartment buildings where they live, um, just on their own. I see women who are adopting orphan children from their communities. I come back and there's new kids there in these homes and, and I ask, Oh, who's this? And they're like, Oh, it's my new son. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So they're doing that on their own. They're starting tutoring programs in the slums for children. They just, they all have vision and way that they want to impact their own community. And once they have the freedom to move from survival into the freedom to do that, they, are doing it with so much energy and passion. It's really amazing. Yeah, They're also able to employ other people in their businesses as they grow, which they always indicate that that's a goal of theirs to provide employment to other moms who might not be as far along as they are, which I just think is super cool. Yes, yes. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I love that you say that like that there's this element of investing in themselves, but they often are just as eager to invest in the community and invest in other people and, and all these other things that I think that... <laughs> I'm thinking in the US where we'd be like, oh, I can get cute shoes now. Or like, right. I just like no sense of materialism that like, if yeah. I have something extra, I could give someone else and that would help them, you know, that could be potential life changing opportunity for them. And I just think that's not something that we see a lot in the US, yeah. which is really, really yeah. special. Can you tell us the uh, meaning of under the same tree in terms of the the name? Yeah, so we were founded in East Africa. And there is a ancient tradition in this part of the world where members from the community at the end of each year will all come together under the biggest, oldest tree that they can find. Because in rural communities, there, there aren't a lot of big buildings that people could gather in. So they gather under the tree. And the purpose of these community gatherings is to look at, review where they have come together. So reviewing their history and talking about how the year has gone, what have been the successes, but also what have been the challenges? Is there anybody in need? Are there any needs we can meet right away? But also how can we plan together, how we are going to walk forward together in hope 
And so it was with this vision that our organization was founded because we might live in different parts of the world, but we can all be working together towards the same vision for ourselves and our communities. I love it. I love it. And I know you get to go and visit the women who you serve. And you've told me a little bit about these, some of these visits, and I'm totally intrigued. So can you talk a little bit about going and visiting the communities? And I'm sure there's things that you really love about those visits that are just like fill your soul. And I'm sure there's also things that are really hard. (laughs) And so can you talk a little bit about both? Yeah, so I do. I was just in Kenya about a week and a half ago. And so my favorite thing about being able to visit the communities that we serve is just the community that I've been welcomed into. I think it's such a gift. So I often tell people about how my first time visiting this community in Nairobi, Kenya, I was treated as a guest. And so I would come into people's homes and I would be given the biggest chair, the most comfortable chair. I would be given the biggest cup of tea and I would be the guest and I would be treated with a lot of honor. And then the second time I came back, I was a little bit surprised that people were actually surprised to see me. People in these parts of the world world become used to to NGOs and ministries and organizations kind of coming in and coming out. They see people coming on short-term service trips. They'll come in for a while and they'll never see them again. And so they'll often treat relationships like this as, as temporary. And so they weren't really expecting to see me again. And so they were surprised when I was back and kind of amused. And I would come and I would stay for a few months at a time. So the second time I was there, I really just spent time with people for like three months. And then I always say, the third time I came back, I came back with another team of visitors who were there to just experience what life was like in this part of the world and learn from people. And they were given the most comfortable chair and they were given the biggest cup of tea. But I was put in the back of the house with a potato peeler because <laughs> they said, now you're one of us. Help us cook dinner. For oh, my gosh. And that's really what it's like for me now coming back is like coming back to see old friends. And yeah. it's such a special time. I have been able to see children grow up from being little, tiny, tiny little guys to taller than me. Now, and I'm only five feet, so it doesn't take a lot, but um, (laughs) they're getting really tall. But yeah, it's so special to be welcomed into a community in a place where I'm not from. And they have every reason not to welcome somebody like myself, but they do. And the people that I bring along with me, they remember almost every single person's name over the past six years, which I'm always astounded by. Um, yeah. And they remember their their family members and their lives, and they always ask me how they're doing. So it's mm. really special. What's hard um, about the visits? It is hard to <laughs> leave my girl. It's becoming harder and harder. Do you think you'll take her with you at some point? I probably will um, at some point. We'll see. I know that she will. She already is curious, and she'll she knows that you know she says mommy goes for Africa. And she says, oh. <laughs> so she knows, and I'll definitely want her to be a part of it at some point. Is there anything about the circumstances or the conditions that you live in when you're over there that feels, I'm sure there's discomfort and I'm curious how you adapt to that. 
Oh, yeah. You told me you were like sleeping in puddles last time you were there. So <laughs> I don't want to just gloss over that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an adventure. Um, I yeah, I've lived in some um, some pretty intense circumstances, like having to draw all of our own water, um, having to shower out of buckets, learning to do laundry by hand, learning to cook over a charcoal stove. So I feel like I could survive pretty well in a situation where there was not a lot of resources. I've learned a lot of life skills from these kinds of communities. And there's situations where people from the U.S. traveling with me might not be the most comfortable, but there's a lot that we can learn from yeah. communities that still have to be so resourceful on a day-to-day right. basis. Right. Yeah, definitely. Why is it important for women and for moms and entrepreneurs to know about Under the Same Tree and how and get engaged? And if you want to share kind of how we can get engaged as well, that would be awesome. I think it's so important for uh, women entrepreneurs, for moms in general, to know about um, this type of work, because I also want just anybody here in the U.S. to know that they have tremendous capacity to change the trajectory of a family's life for generations. It doesn't take as much as you might think. These communities are not as far away as you might think. And today, with the type of technology that we have and the way that the Internet has increasingly connected us, it's possible to have relationships with these people in these communities from afar. And all of those things are possible and we're making it possible. And so I'm really passionate about equipping just the average ordinary person here in the U.S. with the opportunity to make a profound difference in the life of a family. I love that. Yeah. So some of the ways that we have for people to get involved, we have child sponsorship, which is what helps us keep these kids in school. And so you're updated on a child, one of the children in the families that we're serving. Um, We also have an opportunity called the Mentorship Collective, and that's where we are matching each of the women that we're serving in these communities with somebody who will serve in a mentoring role. And so in the Mentorship Collective, you give on a monthly or annual basis. But then you're also there to provide advice, insight. Um, We have access to a lot of educational resources here in the U.S. and information that might not be available there. And so we get to spread that information out a little bit more, but also just be an encourager, a cheerleader, cheering them on. Because these women have been through a lot, and it's really easy to be discouraged because they're still up against a whole lot. There's still a lot that can happen in their lives. There's still a lot that's unknown. And they, they've all experienced trauma to a certain degree. And so to have somebody, for them to know that there's somebody on the other side of the world that is cheering them on, I've had women tell me that that has helped them keep going when they really didn't know if they could. They you know, are tired and exhausted. And that's something that's keeping them going. And so it's just so exciting for me to be able to bring that opportunity to people here in the U.S. I think it's, it's something really special. Yeah. What is the impact of the mentors on the women? Like, what do you see it doing? The women get to grow in amazing ways. The mentees get to grow in amazing ways. What do you see it do for the people who are supporting them? 
I've actually seen people who come in a mentorship role turn around and say, wow, they're, they're able to learn a lot from the women that they're connecting with. And I think that's super cool because there's just a lot that we can learn from each other. But I think it's been great for our ladies to be able to, to have somebody that they can ask questions if they're struggling in a certain area. It's been really cool to see families' lives change. We see families go from living in the worst slum conditions. So, you know, you picture what a slum might look like in your mind and that's it. Mm-hmm. A lady who was living on the banks of a river that basically washed all of the sewage out of the city. And anytime it would rain, that all would flood into the place where she was living. So we've seen her be able to move out and into an area that she wanted to live in. Um, We've seen women be able to escape situations of domestic violence and um, make it to safety with their children and build stability for their children. And the impact has been huge. I I know it'll go on for um, years and years, but just in the five or six years that we've been doing this, we've been able to see a lot of transformation in the lives of these women. I'm a sponsor of a woman in Kenya. Her name's Nema. And you sent me a video. So when you were there a couple weeks ago, you sent me this video. Oh my gosh, I was so excited to get the video. And then she had her little girl doing translation. And the little girl was like, I'm Sarah too. And I emailed, I was like, wait, Caitlin, her daughter's name is Sarah also. Like this was so meant to be. So Nema has two little girls, Sarah and Stella. And I got to, so I just started the sponsorship the mentorship program, but I got this video and oh my gosh, I can't tell you like tears immediately sprang to my eyes. I was so excited to see who I get to connect with. And so I just want to encourage anyone who thinks that they might want to participate on any level, just getting like one video for someone to say like, we're excited and we're grateful was really meaningful to me and got me very excited and fired up for like being supportive in any way that I can, um, potentially being able to go visit at some point. Uh, so tell people how they can get involved, um, and kind of next steps. Would that be going through your website, contacting you directly? Where can people go from here? Yeah. So you can visit our website. It's under the same tree.com backslash mentorship, find out more about the mentorship collective. Um, and you can just learn more about our work in general um, at our website. Um, You can also visit our Facebook page. It's under the same tree on Facebook, or you can reach me through email at info at under the same tree.com. Either of those ways is a good way. Okay. So that will all be linked up in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. And then last question, you've answered this already in many ways, but tell us in what way you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. That's a good question. Um, (laughs) I mean, you've already given us a bunch of ways that you might not see yourself, but I'll go ahead and let you answer it. (laughs) I would just say lately it's giving myself the permission to stop working when I need to just focus on my daughter and being with her. Um, I get tempted to try to do both at once all the time. Like I'm half working and half hanging out with her and I realize I need to just completely stop, be present with her. And then on the flip side, give myself permission to really focus in and get my work done when I need to. And um, it's easy to feel really guilty when I have to travel and be away from her. But I realize that she gets to see her mom doing this thing that is impacting lives. And I hope that that's something that she 
uh, can be proud of growing oh up. Oh my gosh, definitely. So you need to read Melinda Gates' book because she talks about like what her kids are doing professionally and it's not definitely connected to what they've seen their parents doing in terms of mission work. So I think you'll okay. be really inspired when you, if, yeah. So put, put it on Audible and listen to yes. it. It's a really, really yeah, good I book, see. but it was really fascinating to hear these, there are three kids who would, you know, clearly be in a position to be among the most privileged children in the world and the kind of professional opportunities that they're currently opting for and planning for as I think one or them, one or two of them are still not out of college yet. And they're all like wanting to do very philanthropic kinds of things as professions, which is really, really cool to see from, I mean, I don't, I think that's a little unexpected. So that will give you a lot of hope around and reframe mental reframing around like, is it worth it for me to be leaving and doing this? And the, with that cost of the time to your daughter. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good to hear. I will definitely, definitely be picking that book up. Oh, well, Caitlin, this has been really amazing. I'm so grateful for you for taking the time. I appreciate you being here. I really, really hope that anyone who's listening and just has a little bit of curiosity about the work that you do and wanting to be an involved or invested in the, um, in your mission in any way, definitely go checks out your site, reaches out to you, connects with you. I will say that I, we had a great call and I was immediately like, yes, I want to be involved. And then I connected you to another friend of mine and I know she had a call with you. And so, yeah, um, I know that you're just, you make yourself really available to people who are ready to support in any way. And it's really, really awesome to see and so exciting to learn about what you're doing and the huge, huge impact of your work. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.